Well, we're going to be continuing our Christmas series again this morning. We're kind of working through Advent. We've been looking at this hidden Christmas. We've we've done um, peace and hope. Um, this Sunday is typically associated with joy. And uh, as we work through the text today, my, my hope is that you experience the, the joy of Christ, the promise that we have in Him. I want to read our text and, and then jump in to the message. Reading from Jeremiah, and hopefully it comes up on the, the screen. Jeremiah 22, starting at verse 28, and then reading on to Jeremiah 23. Uh, verse 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Is this man, Jeconiah, a despised broken pot, an object no one wants? Why will he and his children be hurled out, cast into a land they do not know? O oh, land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless a man who will not prosper in his lifetime. For none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. In the 1980s, there was a man by the name of Chuck Colson who wrote a book entitled Against the Night. And in his book, he parallels the collapse of the Roman Empire in the 5th century and what he believed to be the collapse of Canadian and American society. He writes that the Romans believed their empire would last forever. And while the Romans were drunk with immorality and they stood looking up, admiring their marble cities and admiring their accomplishments, the nation was collapsing beneath their feet and was sacked by barbarians. Colson argued that in the same way, Canadian and American culture will not last forever. Yet Colson notes that our society is morally crumbling underneath our feet. There's this immoral decay that exists in our society. In our text today that we just read, in and around 500 years, 500 years before the birth of Christ, 
the nation Israel had been morally corrupt. They had broken their covenant commitment to be faithful to God. And Jeremiah is warning that their nation would be sacked by barbarians, the Babylonians. And at the center of all this corruption is a king, the king of Israel, Jeconiah, who had completely rejected God. I don't know if you've ever watched uh, the movie Lion King, where if you're a kid or if your grandparents, you ever watched this movie. It, you, you know Mufasa's um, evil brother, Scar? You know him? He sends a shiver down your spine because he's so evil. And anytime I mention the word uh, Jeconiah, I want to <sighs> shiver to run down your spine. Jeconiah, also called Jehoiakim, uh, in our text, is the great, 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 great grandson of King David, who wrote many of the Psalms. And if you read the Old Testament, we learn that, that God makes a covenant with God's people. A covenant is, is, is this promise. God promises to be faithful to his people, which, in, which include, includes David later on, and, and God's people commit to be faithful to God. More specifically, uh, God builds on that covenant with with David, the house of David, and says that he will bring, God will bring a savior, a righteous savior through David's line. Through David's line. And he would bring a king who would bring God's people back into a perfect relationship with God through David. Jeconiah is David's great, 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 great grandson. And while God had kept his side of this covenant, over the years, the nation became evil, and Jeconiah, their king, turned his back on God. And in our text, we see that, that God punishes the leader of the nation, Jeconiah. Our text reads, O land, land, O land, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, record this man, Jeconiah, as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. This man, Jeconiah, is a despised, broken pot, and he's rotted out the family tree. God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah says some pretty damning things about Jeconiah. None of his offspring will prosper, and God cuts off this covenant promise that he made to David. God actually cuts it off. That's right. God says, verse 30, that none of Jeconiah's descendants would ever sit on the throne of Israel ever again. That, that promised Savior seems to be lost. Yet God is working in the midst of the brokenness. If we turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see in Matthew chapter 1, we see the genealogy of a Savior who would be born from the line of David. The, the genealogy reads like this, and I don't want to read the whole thing, but just work through it and, and, and listen to the names. It says that Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah. And then a couple of generations later, David is born. 
God makes his covenant with David to bring a savior. David was the father of Solomon, who was the mother. Um, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. And then it goes on 10, or ten generations. And then we see Amon is the father of Josiah. And Josiah is the father of Jeconiah, who ruled at the time Israel was carried away by the barbarians. Matthew 1 verse 12 keeps going. It says, After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. And skipping ahead generations, Jacob is the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Do you notice that Jeconiah's name is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, the, the, the one who would can't come to save the nations from their sins? Jeconiah's name is there. Well, we have to stop here and, and ask some questions and do some fact-checking. Remember, God said he would cut off the royal line of Jeconiah so that no king would come from his bloodline. If that's true, then Jesus has no right to the throne as Savior. Well, fear not. Jesus Christ, as we know, is not the biological son of Joseph. That's the lineage of Joseph. Jesus is born of a virgin, Mary. His hidden Christmas is starting to reveal. So where does the covenant that God made fit in? Where does it fit in? Did God break his promise? If Jesus did not come from the line of David, then God is a liar. Well, if we turn to Luke 3 in the New Testament Scriptures, it tells us that Mary is also from the bloodline of David. While Joseph is from David's son Solomon, Mary is from the line of David's son Nathan. So Mary carries the bloodline of David through to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So the birth of Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of God's promise made through the bloodline of David. God kept his promise to David through Mary. And Jesus also receives the legal right to the earthly throne through the line of Joseph, but doesn't have Joseph's blood. See how it works? So God doubles down on his covenant in bringing about this Savior to the world. It's the bloodline of Mary and the legal right to the throne through Joseph. Additionally, Jesus carries the right to the heavenly thrones as God and King, King of the nations, because he himself is God incarnate. Jesus Christ arrives as a baby in the midst of a world where a covenant has seemed to be lost. The, the nation is still in moral decay. It would seem that there is no hope, there is no joy. The world is beyond repair. 
who would come to save the nations? Jesus comes as promised, as God, as God promised through his covenant. Jesus comes and, and, and saves the world. And the, the big question for today is, and in Jeremiah's day is, what did Jesus come to save? Well, Jeremiah paints this picture of what, what Christ came to save. He says in Jeremiah 23, verse 1 in our text, that the, the evilness and moral decay in the hearts of the people and the hearts of the king, the government, the religious leaders who ruled over Israel had reached a fever pitch. Jeremiah says, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. It's God speaking to his people. The Lord of God of Israel says, The shepherds who tend my people because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. The government, the religious leaders in the day were beyond corrupt, and, and, and God kind of gives these bad leaders four characteristics that we just read, and I don't want to spend a lot of time just pointing them out. First, they destroy the sheep. The evil leader destroys the sheep. They inflict pain and hurt on people. Second, the leaders scatter the sheep. They, they break up community. People become individualistic and live isolated lives. Third, the leaders drove people away from God. They set themselves up as God. They trusted in, their se- in themselves. And by doing so, set themselves away from God and led in such a way that they set um, set set others against God. Fourthly, they did not care for each other. As leaders, the nation, they did not care for each other. uh, Jeremiah says, people did not care for the most basic needs of their neighbors. I want to tell you something. It's important to note. While the, the leaders in the nation lived in sin in this day. Everyone in the nation thought everything was merry and bright. Everything, everybody thought everything was okay. Their country was collapsing. Society was dissolving into an oblivion. Kind of like Colson said. The society is morally corrupting. Not a single person realized it. You know, last year, I had the opportunity to read through the whole book of Jeremiah in my devotional time. I had Bill at print three print off the the book of Jeremiah um, so I can just underline and and highlight as I work through it. And it was kind of cool to do a devotion that way, but really paying attention to what Jeremiah was saying to the nation Israel. And and later on, I, I wrote a newspaper article on the story of Jeremiah, where, where he goes through the nation, and he's telling the people, he's warning them that, the, that their nation is collapsing, and we'd, we'd be crushed by their enemies. And, and again, through the whole story of Jeremiah, nobody believes him. They throw Jeremiah in a pit. They put him in the stocks. And sure enough, in 587 B.C., the rotten tree of Israel 
collapses, and the Babylonians sack the city, and what's worse, God chops down the covenant, like we said, in, to bring a king from the line of David. The royal family tree of David is completely cut off, and it would seem that there would never be another king. There's no earthly leader. There's no one person to save themselves from the situation. And it's like that today, where so many people in our world think that our salvation has come from our leadership. Or we think that we can save ourselves. We think that we have our own ministries. We can do it our own power. Jeremiah challenges that thinking. God speaks through Jeremiah and says, you, you can't do it alone. You can't do it at all. You, you need me, God says. He says this, in, in, God says in Jeremiah 23, verse 3, I want us to hear this. God says, I myself will save the situation. Only I myself can lead you through these trials. Only I myself can save the world from this corruption. Only I can do that. I myself will come to the earth in the form of a babe. I'm, uh, uh, these leaders drop the ball. So I'm going to come to earth in the form of a Savior. I'm going to come as Jesus Christ, and I'm going to save my people myself. Because that's how God works. In his sovereignty, he worked through time and, and brought about the Savior. And then when he arrives humbly as a babe in a manger, he saves his people and brings them back into relationship because no one else could accomplish it. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where they have driven, says the Lord. I will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase and number. And then Jeremiah gives a prophecy and it could almost say, this is for the village church. It says this. It says, God is a savior. He's going to come himself and rescue. He's going to be the perfect shepherd. It says, I will place shepherds, good shepherds, over my people. I will be their ultimate shepherd, but I will place shepherds over my people who will tend them will care for them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor any go missing. God gives a prophecy saying that a Savior will come, but when the Holy Spirit comes, it will anoint the church where each person, every single one of us, has an anointing from God to be a shepherd. 
And we see this, this contrast where the, the evil shepherds, they destroyed and they broke up community and, and they hurt people and, and they brought about corruption in the heart of those they came in contact with. But God says, I'm going to come and save my people and, and, and my shepherds. They're going to tend, care for my people. My people won't be afraid. They're, they're going to bring good news. They're going to bring joy to their community, to their neighbors. They won't be terrified. And this is a beautiful line. And none of them will go missing. God says, I'll put shepherds, my people, the Christian, to, to, oh, to shepherd the flock in the Christian community so that none of those who I called to save would go missing, declares the Lord. God says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up for David, reading right from our text, a righteous branch, Jesus Christ who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And we don't talk about Christian virtues much anymore. But in the same way, we are called to care for the shepherds and we're called to be like our Savior, to do what is just and to do what is right. To do what is just and do what is right in the land. And God is working in our world. He's, he's working to save his people. He's coming himself. It's, it's not us. When we're, when we're serving in our missional community, when we're, when we're serving at Cobblestone, wherever it might be, it's God doing the work. God says, I myself am coming to bring those who I've called to salvation. I'm doing the work. When, I, when, when you go to the prison, wherever you go, it's not you. When you're at work, when you're making connections with people, it, it, it's not you. It's me. I'm, God says, I'm working. I'm bringing about salvation in their lives. And, and all I'm calling you to do is to be my humble servant, to be a shepherd, to, to care for them, to do what is just, it says, to do what is right. I want to close with this, and we've seen the, the hope of salvation that we have in, in Jesus Christ, and, and the, the anointing that this, the Holy Spirit gives us to, to be good shepherds. What we haven't talked about is the greatest joy that we have in the Christian life, and, and it's a prophecy right here in, in this text where God gives us the promise that we will be with him in eternity. And I don't, I don't think we talk about this enough in the church. In the, in the history of the church, so many Christians were, were driven by the hope of the eschaton. This is the language they use. The hope of Christ breaking in in, in finality where Christ would come down and bring his new kingdom here. Mission is always um, driven by the hope 
that we'll see Christ come back. And we have this promise and we have this hope. And isn't it amazing that, that God promises us, his people, way back even before the birth of Christ, that he'll come again to, to bring us all back to himself. So we have the, the joy of Christ. It's already here. And we have the, this, this joy, this confident hope that God's kingdom will break in. And he will bring us back to be with him forever. Where he will be our good shepherd for eternity. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their pasture. Care for them. In those days, they will be safe. They'll live in safety. And I will be their God, the Lord, righteous King, Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we're so humbled by your love. The way that you work through history to bring about a Savior would crush the, the brokenness and the sin and the damage that caused in the world that really we brought on ourselves. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus who comes in and Oh, and says we don't need to worry anymore. We don't need to live in fear. As you have come, you have rescued the world, and, and that's what we celebrate this Christmas. Lord, we're, we're thankful for your sovereignty. We just open up our hands and, and say we want to give our lives, our ministry, everything that we do to, to you. You say, I myself am working in the world. I'm bringing about change. I'm moving with my spirit. We pray that you would, you, you would continue to move over our city and move over our lives and move over our workplaces in a powerful way. That you would consistently help us to live as Christians with open hands, giving our lives, our Ministries over to you. And that would be continually reminded of our anointing as those who carry your spirit just to be your humble shepherds. To tend your people. And as we go, we pray that we would forever live in the, the hope the joy of the eschaton that's going to break in. The kingdom of heaven will be with you in eternity. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.